welcome to episode 63 of Psych Up. Last podcast, we dived deep into ghosting for the Halloween season. And today we're talking all about energy vampires and how to protect yourself against them with Veritas psychologists, Annie and Grant. Thank you both for joining the podcast today. And to get things started, let's define the term energy vampire. Okay, thank you, Montana, for that lovely introduction. So when we talk about energy vampires, it really just hits at the core of people that drain those around them. They probably prioritise their own needs for validation, attention, reassurance or support over, you know, what it's possible for the other person to give. And we tend to find them in a few different places, work, school, at home, amongst our friends and family. Yeah, and, and look, I think that's uh, quite right. I agree with Annie uh, uh, totally on that. I, I, I think there's they're often folk who unfortunately do become quite self-absorbed and, and can be really quite negative. They want to talk about how terrible, awful and shocking things are in life and often don't spend enough time uh, on solutions and looking at what they can do or, and helping others look at what they can do. So the drain can be both psychologically physiologically and physically at the end of the day you can feel quite exhausted I think Annie when you're around these people for too long is my experience and I mean sometimes yeah it, it, it's interesting uh, it's difficult to and sometimes it can be very difficult to keep an ongoing friendship with these people because they are just so damn draining. Mm, it's very it's very one-sided. So now that we've defined an energy vampire what signs should we be on the lookout for to spot them out? I think Grant covered a, a few of them as well in, in chatting about it. But I think before we get into it, just knowing that, you know, disagreement and is, is healthy in, in a lot of different relationships and it's what we need to attune to each other and, and you know, make our relationships kind of more healthy and, and connected over time so that we grow together and, and support each other. But one of the biggest signs that we can use to notice some, some people who, who may be energy vampires is what Grant was saying, that physiological, psychological, lingering discomfort that comes um, after you spend, you spend time with them. Yeah, I, that's, uh, look, that's quite right. And, and they're often folk who don't listen well. They haven't learned good listening skills. They want to talk and, and, and they're thinking ahead often of what they want to say rather than really exploring with you your ideas. Because I, I think, and he's hit on a really important point, arguments are critical for us to work things out in life. We've got to be able to argue without fighting, without character assassinating each other, but we've got to be able to argue the facts and have good, robust discussions. That's how we learn things. That's how we grow uh, and develop. But it is with a, a, an energy vampire, it is a little too much about them saying what they want and not listening to you. So we've got to reflect upon ourselves and make sure also we're not an energy vampire. The interesting fact is these are not people with long teeth like we normally associate with vampires sucking blood out of people. These can be very ordinary people who just haven't learnt good interpersonal skills and good conversational skills, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Grant. And even when you're in the conversation with someone like this, what are the topics that they're raising? Because a lot of the time it will be the same kinds of 
information over and over or how do they describe their own role in some of the conflict or what they're going through and you start to see that that pattern as well and I think this is another thing that I love hearing you explain as well when they talk about the victim role I think that's one of the core things that comes up is avoiding yeah. that accountability um, and framing events to garner sympathy rather than doing the situation justice. And like you said, it may not be necessarily intentional. It may be the only way they know how to work. But do you want to tell me a bit more about that too, Grant? Because I love the way that you frame these kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think you're quite right. Inadvertently, people can easily drop into a victim role or a poor me role. And when we're doing that, we're often projecting blame out onto others as to why life isn't the way we want it to be, or we're projecting blame onto ourselves. I'm hopeless and I'm useless for the way I am, and we, uh, we carry on in that mode. But it really is important in life that we ourselves and those around us take on an ownership role. If there are challenges in life, there always will be. As the uh, wise person said, life is not about having any problems. It's being able to resolve the bloody things when they occur. And so we need to take on own ownership role for finding solutions to what is happening. And generally, energy injectors are those people who help themselves, but also help us when we're interacting with them find solutions, find ways through those barriers, over the barrier, under the barrier, around the barrier, maybe through the barrier. But they're people who will find ways of doing things. They're not the gunners in life, going to achieve something. They're the people out there having a real crack. And they'll fail, but they'll get back up and have a go again. And they're really the people that stimulate you and energise you when you're around them. Yeah, and, and it seems like a precondition for that is is having healthy sense of self-esteem and your own level of validation, right? Because when we think about it, where's all this coming from? Because they're getting a benefit out of it, right? They're getting they're getting something from that interaction. And that may be that they do feel a bit more validation from other people. And they do that's the only way they know how to get that need met. That's an incredibly important point, Annie, because the, the greatest gift we can give ourselves and gives others is to help them build their level of self-efficacy, their belief in themselves to do that. And the major way we build our self-regard, our self-esteem or our self-efficacy is working out those things that we've been able to do, looking at what we can do, what we have done, sharing what other people can do and what they have done and giving them a pat on the back for it and making sure they're aware of that so they build this confidence around being able to have a go at things that are really important to them uh, in life. So that's one of the uh, that that's one of the most important things I think that you've just raised, Annie, in this whole thing of making sure that we are an energy injector, not an energy vampire for ourselves and those around us that we interact with. Yeah, yeah. And, and bringing it back to the characteristics, right, it, it seems like the flags that we notice are some of this victim stuff, some of that self-absorption, the yeah. focus on drama. And I think another thing to be aware of after we leave some of these interactions you know, that lingering obligation or fear or guilt or that, you know, little stuff that, that sticks, but also somebody that's not happy for your achievements or not happy for your, around your goals. You know, when, when they use details you've shared in confidence and they criticise them a lot or they use those details to bring you down. 
Yeah, true. So true. So true. I would like to go back to Grant when you mentioned solutions. What could we do? Say we've identified an energy vampire in our life. What can we do to protect ourselves from these energy vampires? It's a good question. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. And and look, the first thing is around awareness. There, there's the triple A model, if you like, of personal transformation. If we want to be the best we can be uh, in life, then we need to kind of uh, uh, remember the triple A model. And that is basically gain awareness and be aware, be mindful, be aware of what's happening in our relationship with others. And then accept what's happening, that we may want to be great friends, we may want to catch up with this person, but it is just so detrimental for us at the end of the day that it's difficult to do that. And then what actions do we need to take? You know, do we need to, from a, a solution-focused perspective, and what we need to do is we need to keep ourselves flexible, adaptable, rational, positive, and solution-focused with our thinking and certainly with our behaviours as well when we're dealing with these people but can we help them understand themselves what is going on and maybe change the way that they're interacting with us so to be assertive don't be aggressive with them and thump them or you know yell and scream at them obviously but assertively just point out how you're feeling when they carry on in certain ways um, and and try and get them to be aware accept what's happening and then take their own action and at times though we will have to leave a relationship or or say look this relationship is just so toxic for me so energy vampiring that i'm going to have to spend less time with this person or these sort of people uh, if i want to be in a state and in a state of good mental health and vitality myself yeah i think that makes so much sense so i guess my, my my approach was was less theoretical than Grant's. It was more, you know, what would Buffy do? <laughs> you know, in this situation. Good point. You know, I think it's a really good model. But I think, like, building on what you said, Grant, that awareness. You know, does this person need to be in my life? Right. Number one. Yeah. If if they do, if you can cut them out, like you've said, and 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 that's the best way that you see forward. Fair enough. Because I don't think anyone deserves someone that, that constantly brings them down or, or, or brings up that anxiety and, and you know, their pain is, is theirs to invest in and sort out. And at the same time, you know, you're giving yourself that space to be resilient and mature within your other relationships because I think that's another trap we all fall into. We put 90% of the energy into 10% of the relationships that aren't working and the other 90% that are really good, they get the scraps, you know. So I think if, if you can, chop them, chop them. But there might be situations where, you know, you're with, like, like Grant was saying, it might be a friend that you want to connect with, it might be an ex-partner where you have children and, and you have to kind of maintain that. Um, or family member. And so I guess, Grant, what, what do you think are some of the, the boundaries and, and things that, that you can set in these relationships if you have to be with them? Well, I think you've sort of touched on it already, Annie, and that is how much time and energy can I really afford to, mm -hmm. to spend uh, with this person? And also that if someone is going off on a rant or a tangent and very negative, blaming others or whatever, it is gently and respectfully pointing out to someone what is happening. Hey, 
uh, <clears throat> Fred or Frida. We've got this situation occurring, but uh, I think, you know, when we focus too much on how terrible, lawful and shocking and what a catastrophe it is, we're not really getting anywhere. What I'd like to really do is spend some time working on, OK, how can we help this person or what can we do about the situation to get a much better outcome for us and to deal with it far more constructively and actually prompt and cue them back to a, a solution focus for what is uh, happening and don't just let them run and on on and on with how terrible, awful and shocking it is and drag us along with them. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think another method is, you know, if they're not having that awareness, if they're stuck, just, you know, using that grey rock method, you know, if you're stuck with someone at a coffee and they're on a tangent, keep your responses neutral, you know, okay, sure. You know, I think being boring in many cases can be pretty beneficial for you because they'll lose interest. If if they keep asking you this stuff and you have nothing to say, you're not validating what they're talking about. You're not letting them go on these big tangents and you can just say, yep, okay, that's, that's hard. You know, and just that neutrality, I think, in a way in itself, may may lay the, the, the background and the foundation for someone to start building that awareness. You know, oh, this person hasn't reacted the way I thought. They haven't gone on the chain. What can we do to make a solution? Yeah, that's a really good point. It's that psychological principle, isn't it, around often if you ignore behaviour, it goes away, whereas you, when you reinforce it by getting into the conversation with them, it will continue. And it's the same with children's uh, behaviour at times, if you don't like what a child is doing at times, at times if you can ignore it, it will stop. At other times it won't, you'll have to do something else. But that's a really good point, uh, Annie, that you brought up. Uh, change the uh, conversation, ignore it a bit, just make a, a neutral remark and move on to something that is far more uh, uh, constructive and positive to talk about. I think that is very insightful and I want to switch to a different perspective. What if, and it's very hard to admit sometimes that we are wrong or identify that we may be the energy vampire ourselves, but say we are the energy vampire. How, how, how can we identify and admit that we are, you know, wrong and stop it before it gets too far? Oh, I think usually if you're asking whether or not you are the energy vampire in a good place <laughs> to start from. Perfect. What do you think, Grant? I, I, uh, I quite agree. I, I think uh, if you're unsure and every now and then, you know, using reflective practice is a great way uh, to grow and develop ourselves. That's how we grow and develop, isn't it? Getting feedback, ask for feedback. And if someone is give, giving us feedback, and they often give me feedback, <clears throat> and often how it comes at me is, Grant, will you shut up for a minute, please? <laughs> and uh, and my first reaction is to get defensive. What do you mean by that? You know, I'm talking about all this wonderful stuff. But not to get defensive, but to say, we were oh, oh, okay, what's actually happening now? What, what, are, what are you getting from me? And if they say, look, you're just so damn negative, mate. You're just going on and on about this point. There's other things we need to talk to. Can we please try and look at a solution or whatever? Take it on board. Don't get defensive about it. Don't mm -hmm. arc up about it, but take it on board and say, okay, well, what can I learn from that? And every now and then we might not be able to learn much, but every now and then, 
we we will say, oh, yes, okay, uh, I've kind of been doing what I've been accusing other people of doing, and maybe I'll get a better response from others, maybe I'll get better and deeper relationships if I do change the way I'm going about myself and gradually ease myself, morph myself, if you like, from the way that I'm going about myself with my attitudes, my behaviour and emotional regulation abilities to morph myself from being an energy vampire into being an energy injector. So how can I really help uh, with the energy? How can I help other people grow uh, and develop themselves and look for solutions and and be the way that I would kind of uh, like uh, like to see them being? Yeah, be the be the one that starts out. Don't wait for someone else in your life to start it. Be the change that you might like to see. I was going to say that, but it sounded very live aid. So. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's such a good point, Grant. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And I think what exactly what you were saying, what can I do to make people walk away from me feeling better than when we started? That's a that's a good, great point. That's a lovely way to think about it, Annie, isn't it? You know, how what can I do? What can I say? How can I be? You know, do they need a hug? Do they need a pat on the back? Do they need some, wow, that was fantastic what you just brought up? Or, you know, when you helped Sally the other day do this or do that, that's really appreciated by the group, by your friends around you, mate. Don't overlook those things. And don't don't be thinking, well, that's what they ought to do if they're a friend, but actually point it out to them. But when they're doing really positive and constructive things, point it out. But do the same with ourselves. Put, uh, if you like, deposits into our self-efficacy bank. Hey, I did well then. Hey, I was really supportive then. Hey, I, I helped uh, Fred or I, I helped Sue work out a way to get around that situation and to deal with that challenge. Good on me. Well done. And give ourselves uh, a, an imaginary pat on the back. Perfect. Well, I just want to thank you both for joining into this podcast episode this week. And I want to thank you for bringing a psychologist's perspective to energy vampires. I hope everyone listening to this podcast has a lovely Halloween and stays tuned for more psychology tips and tricks. See you next time.